All right, back again for a Cash Medi podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about the Padres mainly. Uh, get into Kevin Acey, kind of getting sick and tired of that guy. I've always been sick and tired of him. Talk some Hosmer, Will Myers, uh, some spring training thoughts. I'm going to get into the NFL draft as well at the end. So let's start with AC. Um, this guy is just the most, you just can't trust this guy. And on anything that he says, I'm really getting sick and tired of him. Um, it's really disappointing as a Padre fan that we, we continue to have this guy. as a, When I used to like the Chargers, he was the beat writer for the Chargers. He was terrible then. He's a terrible beat writer for the Padres. Um, it's just hard as a fan to trust anything that he says, and, and that's the main thing you want as a fan. You want you want to trust the beat writer, and that he's given you know everything that he can give you, and in in good intentions and everything. And it's just it's unbelievable with him. You know, I mean, I would trust Casey Anthony babysitting my kids before I would trust anything that AC says. I mean, that's how bad he is. You know, he this week he was on Darren Smith's show, and I don't listen to Sports Talk Radio in San Diego. The only show I listen to is Ben and Woods, but um, I heard like the clip where he's like basically saying he's just like scaring every Pottery fan, saying, "Oh, fam could be out for the season." You know, would anyone be surprised? And it's like, yeah, we'd be surprised. It's like, then why the fuck do they get him? And here's the whole thing on that. I mean, yeah, I understand Padre fans getting worried because the Padres have a history of. You know, saying a player's not injured, and he really is, and you find out, you know, I remember like Corey Lukey, they were like, and he was like one of their good young players, good young pitcher that years ago, they were like, oh, he just needs some rest, and he'll probably be back in two weeks, and he never pitched again. Um, So they do have a history, but usually those are on pitchers. Now, this is um, an elbow injury, so it could be Tommy John again, but... When the Padres traded for him, there was a you know a, a stall on the trade to, to make sure that everything was fine on Fam and his injury with his elbow apparently. Well, I remember the Padres saying we're fine with him. Um, our medical staff is is cleared him, and he probably will miss some of spring training, but we fully think that he'll be ready for uh, opening day. So what's changed? Nothing has changed. He's played a few games, excuse me, and he's DH mostly on, on the games that he's played, I believe. And he's just, you know, slowly getting into the groove. There's still, you know, close to three weeks, over three weeks before opening day. He's got time. So AC comes on and he, and he says, oh, would anyone be surprised if he's out for the season? Uh, eventually gets Tommy Johns out for the season. Yeah, bro. We would be, I would be surprised. I mean... Yeah, to a degree, I wouldn't be that surprised but or shocked. But when you, when you throw that out there and there's no more new information, it's just lazy and it's just crap. And it's just, why the fuck do you do that? The only reason why I think AC does that shit is he's more into being talked about than actually, you know, getting... Like, he's just so into wanting to be talked about instead of just being a good beat writer. Like, no one really talks about Dennis Lynn because we know he's really good at what he does. He's just, you're consistent. He's very consistent. You could trust Dennis Lynn. But AC, he's just, he has to be mentioned. He has to be talked about. And he just says stuff. Like, he said, 
the other day, um, Paddock threw 42 pitches. He was like, that's a lot of pitches. And people were like, no, it's not. And then later on, he's like, oh, maybe I misspoke on what I said. He always mix, misspeaks. He's always backpedaling. And he's a freaking writer. He's always saying, oh, that's not exactly what I meant. Or I meant this and this and that. Dude, you're a writer, bro. Like, what you say is very meaningful or people are going to put a lot of value into it, especially when you're the beat writer of the team. Like, go be the beat writer of the Colorado Rockies. Like, get out of here, dude. I'm sick of him. I couldn't trust him when he was the charter beat writer. I'll never forget. There was a point I thought AC was good. Like, I thought he was getting good information. Like, he used to get A.J. Smith. I thought, you know, he was up his A.J. Smith's ass. So far up his ass, he would get good information. And... But I lost all respect for AC when a playoff game against the Colts, I think it was the 2007 playoffs, and well, the 2008 playoffs, but 2007 season, and they were the Chargers had won against the Titans the previous week, and they were traveling to, um, they were going to Indianapolis, and Gates got hurt, and he got carted off against the Titans. And all week long, people are asking AC, like, is Gates going to play? Is Gates going to play? By Friday, he goes, I don't know why I have to keep answering this. He's not playing. He's out. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's out. Well, Saturday, someone else in in the media was like, yeah, he's doubtful to play. I was like, well, so there's a chance? And then he ends up playing. He played in a playoff game. You said he was out. I mean, that is so unprofessional for a beat writer to do that. It's a playoff game. It's Antonio Gates. It's not the fucking punter. It's not the backup quarterback. It's not the, you know, the third down running back. It's Antonio Gates. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, I don't know anymore because he got caught with steroids. But his statistics are first ballot. Like, he was he was one of the best tight ends of all time. And he's just, oh, he's not going to play. I don't know why I have to keep answering this. And then he did it again years later. He did it with Jason Verrett. I remember they were playing the Broncos on a Thursday night. And Thursday morning, he was on one of the talk shows in San Diego, and he says, Verrett's out. He's not playing. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Chargers are probably in trouble. And there he is. He's playing. And then AC, the whole game, is tweeting how he's, how Verrett's getting roasted. And he gave up like four catches. And every catch, he was like, he's like tweeting about him, how he's getting roasted. And he, he gave up like a touchdown. Like it was like a 10-yard touchdown, five-yard touchdown. So he was being very unprofessional and ripping Verrett and trying to make Verrett look bad because the guy said he was out and injured. And it's just unprofessional. It's completely unprofessional. He doesn't know what he's doing. He he doesn't get good information. And he just throws shit out there just so that, you know, it gets talked about. And it's just crap. And I'm just sick of it, dude. He's really bad at his job. He fucking sucks. We got to get him out of here. Um, I don't want him to lose his job necessarily. Just go freaking be the beat rider of the Colorado Rockies or Seattle Mariners or something. Just get out of here. All right, I'm going to transition to um, Eric Hosmer because, you know, there's this Dan Zembrowski guy that just every single day, it, it seems like, is tweeting about Hosmer and how he's the worst player in all of baseball. And look, Hosmer has not played well. He's not worth the contract whatsoever. Um, I never thought he was going to be worth the contract. I kind of wanted like a six-year, little over $100 million. They got up to eight years. I knew they were probably in trouble on that. 
then when they backloaded it or or they front-loaded it, I thought, oh, okay, maybe it won't be as bad. But it's kind of been, you know, a really bad contract. That said, he's not the worst player ever and hitting with runners in scoring position to make it like it has no value like Padre Twitter is doing is completely bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Um, like I, I always see these tweets like, oh, just because he has 99 RBIs, that means nothing. Or It's not even really the 99 RBIs that Hosmer has that's impressive. It's... It's his slash line with runners in scoring position. That's why he got 99 RBIs. He didn't even have that many opportunities. Like people make it like as if Hosmer got 99 RBIs last year all because of where he batted in the order. He batted fourth. Therefore, he should get a lot of RBIs. Dude, Tatis, first of all, Tatis only played half of the season. Um, Fran Mille was only there for half of the year. I mean, what did they have, uh, the one and two hitters, in the second half of the season? Like Greg Garcia and... I don't even know who they had. I mean, it was garbage. So that's one thing you have to think of because I saw people tweeting me today like, well, he had Tatis hitting in front of him. That's why he got so many RBIs. Uh, I mean, okay. I guess other people just don't have good players hitting in front of him at all. This this is Hosmer's slash line with runners in scoring position. This is why he had a lot of RBIs. He hit 328. His on base was 385 and he slugged 539. I mean, those are great numbers. That has nothing to do with, with oh, opportunities. That has nothing to do with opportunities. And you can tell me, because a lot of, you know, Twitter guys are on Twitter. Padre Twitter is is hitting with runners or scoring position. It varies over the years. So it's one year you might be good, and the next year you'll be bad. Okay. You want to use that? That's fine. His career with runners in scoring position, he's hitting 291. His on base is 365, and his slugging is 456. That's why he drives and runs. That's when he thrives, is when players are on base. That's when he. So to discredit it and to just give it no value whatsoever is total bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's lazy. It's a bad narrative. Uh, and Padre Twitter always comes back with, oh, I guess you like batting average and RBI is such a 1970-80s stat. Oh. oh, okay. Well, then just believe in your war and WRC+. And that's the end all. Because Dan Zembrowski on Fangriff says that's the end all. I mean, I most of the people that are just crushing Hosmer were big Chase Headley fans when he was on the Padres. And... That's when war first started coming around, and everyone was telling me how great Chase Headley is. And I was like, dude, this guy sucks. Like, like I don't get it. Like, why do people think he's a good player? And he was really good defensively, but he would bat third, he would bat fourth, and he would always get like 60 RBIs. He had one year, he got 115 because he was on steroids. Uh, I've talked about it before. It was right after Yasmani Grandel, who got popped twice for steroids. Right after he came up, Headley's numbers just bloomed and totally exploded because I believe Headley went on to steroids that year. Well, here's what Headley's career is with runners in scoring position. He's a 258 hitter, so that's 31 points, you know, less than what Hosmer is. He's a 350 on base, which isn't that bad. Hosmer's is at 365. 350 is pretty good. His slugging, Headley. With runners in scoring position is 385. He can't even slug 400. That's why Headley didn't get RBIs. 
because he didn't drive the ball. He was a flick of the wrist. He had a wiffle ball swing. He tried to flick of the wrist, try to get over the shortstop. So when you just, oh, it's opportunities. That's all it is, you know. It's just opportunities. That's why Hosmer gets so many RBIs. Padre Twitter loves Franmil Reyes. Franmil Reyes hit 37 home runs last year. He had 81 RBIs. The reason why he only had 81 RBIs is because all his home runs are basically solo shots, and he hit 205, had an on base of 267. He slugged 518. I mean, that's really impressive with runners in scoring position. He had 112 at-bats in runners of scoring position. Hosmer had 128. Hosmer had 17 more RBIs. So you say, okay, well, let's do the math. Well, Hosmer averages 0.77 RBIs every at-bat with runners of scoring position, and Reyes, 0.72. And Reyes in Padre Twitter is like the greatest player of all time. I mean, people are going to... Anaheim to go watch him play. I mean, it's hilarious. And he's one of the worst defensive players I've ever seen. Yet, he's considered so great because he hits solo home runs, really doesn't drive in runs. Hit like I mean, hit, like I said, 205 and on base of 267 with runners scoring position. He always choked. He had opportunities. He had 112 opportunities. Hosmer had 128, so he had 16 more. Yet, he had... 18 more RBIs. Myers, you know, everyone's telling me, well, just put Myers at first base. Myers was fine. Myers last year with runners in scoring position, he hit 228. His on base was 327. And here's the big whopper. His slugging percentage was 304. And now career-wise, Myers is his um his numbers with runners in scoring position are actually a lot better than I Freaking thought, because I it always feels like Myers never hits with runners in scoring position. He actually hit two seventy. He's career wise is two seventy one, three forty five, and four seventy two, which is actually not bad. Um, I think Myers is one of those players though that he thrives when the score is out of hand. It's ten to two, and he'll hit a he'll hit a home run or you know. It's sixteen to nothing in Colorado, and he adds on whatever. I always feel like his his big numbers always come late in games when the game's out of control, and he kind of thrives in that in those situations. I mean, the dude last year hit three oh four slugging percentage with runners in scoring position last year. Three oh four slugging percentage. Yet, Padre Twitter wants to bench Hosmer and play Myers the entire time, and that's with Myers. You also got to remember on Myers' numbers is he platoons a lot. He basically just plays left-handed hitters a lot and and sits the bench against right-handed pitching. If Hosmer sat the bench against left-handed pitching, his numbers would even look better. Now, his RBIs would be down, but you guys say opportunities is the only reason why he has 99 RBIs, so you don't even count that. So if if Hosmer sat against left-handers, which I'm fine with Myers playing at first base against left-handers, my problem is... Grisham's left-handed. I don't know how good of a hitter he is against left-handers, but let's just say he's good. Pham, obviously, he's going to hit left-handers, so you would have Pham, Grisham. Who's going to play right field? Franchi doesn't hit left-handers. Naylor actually does okay. So if you want to play Naylor in right field and put Myers at first base against left-handers, I'm fine with that. That's fine. This whole thing, though, of 
Hosmer's the worst player in all of baseball. It's just a bad narrative. It's really, it's just stupid. Hosmer, the main thing I want to see from him this year is he needs he needs to improve the defense. The defense last year was terrible. Um, I think the end of the year, the last month, I think Hosmer quit. I think Machado quit. I think Myers quit before the season even started. And I think all three of them are veterans. They've been around the the league. You know, they're all pretty good players at one point, have been good players. Um, And all three of them, to me, did not like Andy Green. You could just tell. Now, I think it took Hosmer and Machado till the last month of the season for them to just be like, fuck it. Which is inexcusable. All of them are getting paid. It's it's inexcusable by Hosmer. It's inexcusable by Machado. And it's inexcusable by Myers. I'm not trying to make an excuse for Hosmer. You know, because I think his numbers... The last month was just so bad. He just basically quit. And his numbers really declined. I think he was hitting 281 going into September. And I think that really fucked, you know, his numbers at the end of the year. But... I think they weren't motivated, the three of them, after certain points. I think Myers was sick of Andy Green for, I don't know how long Andy Green was there, four years or whatever it was. I think he was done with them. He look, So far, it's just spring training, but he looks a little more motivated. He's got three home runs. Maybe Myers has a pretty decent season. I, I'm not going to count on it. But if you're going to have Tatiste and Pham getting on in front of Machado and Hosmer, Hosmer's going to hit with runners on. He doesn't hit with runners not on. He needs to work on getting, you know, his on-base percentage higher and his slugging percentage needs to go a little bit higher. If he could get, you know, 25 home runs, he hit 22 last year, you know, get that on-base percentage up. He's striking out, you know. I think people, another thing that people never consider is no one's hitting behind him. All You, you had Renfro basically and Myers hit behind him last year. And both of them can't really hit. Both of them only hit when no one's on base. Especially Renfro. Renfro hits a solo shot, you know. And his uh, WRC Plus will go up because of a solo shot. That's the thing on WRC Pluses. Padre Twitter loves WRC Plus. I mean, they think it's the greatest statistic of all time. Well, I'll tell you why I don't really like WRC Plus. If you got player A, he comes up with the bases loaded and... He gets a two-run single, okay? Player B comes up with the bases loaded. He strikes out. So one guy's one for one with two RBIs. The next guy's 0 for one with the K. And they've had the same situation. Okay, next time both of them come up with nobody on. And the guy who got a single last time, he strikes out. Now if the other guy who struck out the other time, he hits a solo shot, guess who they're going to give bigger WRC plus. They're going to give the guy who hit the solo shot way more than the other guy who drove in two runs. And they had the same opportunities to drive in the same amount of runs. That's why I don't like WRC plus. All these stats to a degree are flawed. Padre Twitter makes it like as if WRC plus, war, and that's it. That's all you need. And some defensive metrics, whichever one that they're, you know, that they like that week, they're going to use that one. And then the next week, they'll use something else. It's just unbelievable. It's almost, it's gotten to the point with Padre Twitter. 
with Hosmer is it's like political. It's like the, the media in politics. If you watch CNN, Trump's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing positive at all. Not one damn thing has he done positive if you watch CNN. Not one. You watch Fox News. Fox News is going to tell you Trump hasn't done one thing wrong. So that's where you're at with Padre Twitter is no matter what, they're just like, Hosmer sucks. Nope, nope. We've made up our mind. They've completely made up their mind. He's the worst player ever. I'm sitting there telling people that the guy gets RBIs because he hits in those situations. Yeah, you could say he's getting more opportunities than others, but he's also got better numbers in those situations than other guys, and they still cannot give him credit for it. They just keep saying, no, 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 that shit doesn't matter. None of that matters. Anyone that bats fourth can have that many RBIs. Okay, you go put Will Myers the same amount of opportunities. You tell me if he has more RBIs. I'll promise you he won't. Everyone's like, well, just put Josh Naylor there. Fine, put Josh Naylor there. I'll promise you he won't do it either. Josh Naylor's an unproven hitter. He's going to have holes. He's going to have weaknesses. He's he's not as good as Eric Hosmer as a hitter. Maybe someday he will be. Um, I know all you people think like every player is better than Hosmer, like Franchi Cordero. They all think Franchi Cordero is a much better hitter, a much better player. Franchi Cordero, his career with runners in scoring position, 215, 278, 369. Against left-handed pitching, Franchi Cordero, 200, 226, 367. That's his career. Everybody on Padre Twitter loves that guy, thinks he's the greatest baseball player of all time. Another great player that they just can't get over is Luis Urias. Greatest baseball player of all time. All time. It's early, but it's weird how it's a little quiet on that trade. Everyone was freaking out on that trade. Obviously, nothing's happened yet. I mean, but Grisham looks pretty damn good in spring. And you got the other guy, he's already hurt. So I think it's funny, man. Continuing on with the spring, I think it's also funny how Padre Twitter gave up. In my opinion, gave up on Morahan and Baez. A lot of people on Padre Twitter, oh my God, trade those guys. They're not that good. They're this, they're that. Keith Law comes out on his um, rankings. He's got Morahan 72. All of a sudden, Morahan pitches one inning, one fucking inning in spring training. And Padre Twitter's like, oh, I'd rather have him start over um, Zach Davies. And I'm like, oh my God. I've been telling Padre Twitter... For a long time, like, Morahan's pretty damn good. Don't give up on Morahan. But it's just funny because they just trust everything that Dan Zembrowski says or Keith Law. I mean, Dan Zembrowski is the biggest piece of shit on Twitter. I cannot stand that fucking guy. Zip projections. All he cares about is his own projections on shit and war. Like, as if war is not a flawed stat whatsoever. War is basically... On base percentage and defensive metrics. And if you want to trust all their shit on that, so be it. I, I, I don't trust it at all. I mean, for years, they they said Chase Headley was a good baseball player. Uh, Austin Hedges has had good war numbers. Manny Margot. It's all, it's all based on defense. That's all it is. And that's why that Dan Zembrowski guy 
who wrote about 20 tweets on Eric Hosmer, how he sucks, has written about a million tweets about how he sucks, yet hasn't, I've never seen, I don't follow the guy, yet I've never seen one, not one negative tweet that he's written about Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, he said when he signed with the Cubs, I think he signed for about $180 million, he said he was worth $237 million. Jason fucking Hayward. Jason Hayward's OPS, the four years that he's been on the Cubs, 631, 631 the first year, 715, 731, and 772. And you're telling me that that guy's worth $237 million for eight years? Almost $30 million a year? I mean, that, that's just a joke. I don't care if he's fucking Ozzie Smith and uh, on defense. I, I don't care. It, $237 million to have an OPS of 631, 715, 731, 772. And the guy, Zimbrowski, hasn't said one fucking peep about it. Never will admit that he was wrong on that. But he wants a pat on the back about Hosmer and, and the Kemp. You know, just wants to just pat himself on the back whenever he's right on something, but won't admit when he's wrong. That's why I don't trust guys like that. That's why I can't stand guys like that. When... Anyone that follows me on my Twitter picks, betting-wise, do I just only put the winners up? Do I just say, hey, there's another winner. Hey, another winner for me. Another winner for me. Never put the losses? No. I put the losses. You got to do that. Otherwise, people don't, you know, aren't going to respect you. I have no respect for Dan Zembrowski when he's just going to bash Hosmer, but he won't say, hey, I was wrong on Jason Hayward. Just admit you were fucking wrong on one of them. Be a man about it. Don't be a fucking pussy. The guy is a complete virgin. Um, I'm sick of Padre Twitter just agreeing with these virgins and just thinking that they're facts. The guy's like, he's like, uh, Hosmer would sign a one-year, $8 million. Zips projects that he would. Zips also projected that Fernando Tatis for like five, six years wouldn't hit over 240. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Anyone that watched him in the minor leagues understood that he, he wouldn't be that bad of a hitter. But zip projections were nothing more than like 244 or something for like a five-year span. I mean, that is so off. Like, look, I didn't think he was going to hit 317, and that, that average would have came down. He probably would have hit around 290. I said he'd probably hit first year 260, 270. I was impressed with the 290. But at least I'm someone in the ballpark. These guys... Said he would hit 220. And then the following year, they're like, oh, another 230, 240, 230, 240. I mean, it's a fucking joke. It's an absolute joke, but everyone just jerks off. They just get out the lotion all by themselves. And they're talking about like the good jerk. No one's at home. Lotion by themselves, just jerking themselves off to zip projections. Oh my God. You see what Fangraph did? Fangraph has the Padres at. at Oh, 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 83 wins. Oh, my God. Oh, fucking cares. They're not putting any money behind it. That's why I put out that that tweet the other day. A professional gambler had the over on the Padres. That I care. I put value into that. He's putting real money on it. Not zip projections. Uh, 
And then and then come back with every time that they're wrong. I remember putting out the stuff about Tatis. They're like, oh, well, they kind of struggle on the minor league stuff. Y- you think? They don't watch the minor leagues. Do you think that McDaniel guy or whatever his name is watches the minor leagues in every system? You're out of your mind. If you think Keith Law watches, you're out of your mind. Those guys aren't watching. I watch. I watch a lot more than those guys are on the Padres. I don't watch the whole other, other team systems. Sure, I don't know those team systems. But I know sure shitload more than those guys know about the Padres system. That's why I feel like I know more about the Padres in general. Because they, they ain't watching that either. They're just going off of a goddamn fucking computer. Oh, this, oh, that. Okay. You know? If a guy hits a home run is 19 to 0, it's not the same as if it's 3 to 2 and he hits a two-run shot and they fucking win. It's not the same value. It is on WRC Plus. It is on war. Fuck, man. A ship. It's just so annoying. And it's just so like, you know, no one's gonna change their mind. That's it. It's final. Dan Zabrowski said something. Who cares what Dan Zabrowski says? What's he ever fucking proven in himself? He doesn't know shit. Going back to the Morahan, like, Padre Twitter, it's like this offseason wanted to trade him, like, just throw him into deals. You don't throw him into deals. He's he's just turned 21. Guy's going to be fucking pretty good as long as he stays healthy. The only concern I have with him is health. And then, you know, it seems like he's a little, I wish his composure will get better, but he's only 21 years old. Guy throws Chad, dude. And Baez, too. Now, Baez is a little bit older, but, I mean, fuck. Tramel, another guy. Padre Twitter is, like, first month down the minor leagues. He sucks. Okay. Give us some fucking time, dude. He's going to have a good year. All three of those guys. I hope they're all in the minor leagues all, all year long. Or, you know. And the bullpen's going to be good this year. I think the Padre's going to be pretty good. I kind of like what I'm seeing. I mean, it's just spring training. Who knows? But I kind of like what I'm seeing. Um, I think you're going to be able to rely on the bullpen. I, I they need a number. They need another hitter because the first four hitters I'm cool with. You know, Tatis, Fam, Machado, Hosmer. I know Padre Twitter thinks Hosmer is the worst player in history. If Myers could, you know, protect Hosmer in the five hole, that would help big time. Or if Grisham can bat, you know. First or second, and then that puts Hosmer in the five hole. That's where Hosmer needs to hit really in the five hole. He's not, he's not, he doesn't hit enough home runs to be in the four hole for me. But in the five hole, I could take Hosmer's numbers and I'd be fine with it. I think he's going to have a much better year defensively with um, Dickerson. I think he's focusing on defense this year. I think Hosmer is going to get back to being a really good defensive first baseman. I think that I'm pretty confident in. And if he gets protection, I, he'll be fine. I mean, to make it like as if... I mean, the Zembrowski guy today tweeted out, just send him to Colorado and they can have the... You pay the whole contract. Just, oh, okay. So he can just mash in Colorado? Like, what the hell are you talking about? And someone's going to tweet me, he's not going to mash in Colorado. Okay. You'll fucking hit there, I'll tell you that much. It's another thing. You, you going to factor in that stuff? You know? Where a guy plays? Oh, wait, that's all factored in there. Okay, sure it is. I'm sure it's not flawed one bit at all. Not one bit. All right, so last thing I'm going to talk about is the NFL draft. Um, it's coming up, you know, the combine. I thought 
there's some interesting things at the combine and it's starting to come around. I think people are starting to get the sense how I was thinking a while ago is look, we all know Cincinnati's taking Burrow, but to me, Washington either has to take Tua at two or trade. Trade the pick. Because two is the value there. It's not Chase Young. As good as Chase Young is, and you could say, well, Chase Young is the best player in the draft. That, that's fine. You could say that. He's not the most valuable player. He don't play quarterback. And, I mean, if you, if you want to just say, well, he's the best player, well, then Cincinnati should take him. Because what are they taking Burrow for? But the value of the second pick is Tua. And if they take Chase Young, no one's going to blink an eye. No one's going to say, oh, they should have taken Tua, at least on draft day. Two years from now, they're going to say, oh, they should have taken Tua. But if they pass and Detroit has the third pick, it's the same thing for Detroit. Detroit should take Tua or trade the pick. You have to trade the pick with the value of Tua. So you're going to get a shitload. I think Washington, the more and more I think about it, I think Washington's going to trade. I mean, because... Yeah, they can get Chase Young, and that's, you know, stud defensive end. You're looking at, you know, 12, 16 sacks a year probably. But they don't have a second-round pick. They need picks. They need players. They can use an offensive lineman, right? Trent Williams is didn't play last year. Um, who knows what that situation is? I guarantee they, you know, don't have two good tackles. And... Let's say you're Washington and you traded with Miami. You went back to five and you got 26 and like 59. I would do that trade if I'm if I'm Washington. You take, uh, you know, at five you could get either Jared Willis or or Becton or, or Wirfs, you know, the offensive lineman from Iowa. I mean, those three linemen are going top five or not top five, top ten. I would take an old lineman there, and then you know you got a you got the twenty six pick, and then you got an, a second rounder now, something like that. To me, that's better than just taking Chase Young, or you just take Tua at at two. Because does anyone really think that Dwayne Haskins is good enough to win a Super Bowl for Washington? Because I sure the fuck don't. Um, not at all, not at all, and that's. That, as a fan of Washington, if you're a fan of the Washington Redskins, you have to think of that. I'd be like, fuck that, dude. Just take your quarterback now. I mean, Arizona, just last year, took two quarterbacks back-to-back, you know? Because they said, screw it, dude. It's a new coach. It's a new system. You know, new way. It's just new, so might as well take them. So that's what I would do. Um, I think Herbert and Jordan Love, I think I think the four quarterbacks are going top ten, to be honest with you. I think Love might go, if he doesn't go 10, I think he's going to go 12 to the Raiders. But I would not be surprised if four quarterbacks go in the top 10. And I wouldn't be surprised if three offensive linemen. So that's already seven guys. And then you got and then you got uh, Chase Young, that's eight. And you got Odoku, Jeff Odoku, um, the cornerback, is nine. That's And then um, Isaiah Simmons, that's 10. That's 10 guys right there. I tweeted out the other yesterday or the day before that I think Derek Brown's not going to be in the top 10. I really don't. I don't think Derek Brown, the kid from Auburn, 
is going top 10. He reminds me of Elodie Nana. I mean, look, that's a good player. But maybe a little bit better pass rusher than Elodie Nana. But if you're getting five to seven sacks from your interior defensive lineman, that's still pretty good. That's not top 10 worthy, in my opinion. Yeah, you can, you can say, well, he stuffs the run. That's cool. And you can stuff the run, but I'll, if, if I'm picking the top 10, I want an edge rusher who's getting double-digit sacks. Or if, my, if I'm taking an interior defensive lineman, I want him to be Chris Jones getting double-digit sacks, Aaron Donald getting double-digit sacks, you know, or Fletcher Cox, something like that. I'm not taking... You know, a guy that his the main thing he does is stuff the run, and then all he does is do a bull rush as his pass rush. I mean, the guy's strong as fuck, and he got double teamed a shitload at Auburn. I understand that. I've studied his film a lot because being a Lions fan, I mean, he's one of the guys you're going to study. I stuffed, studied Jeff Odoku. I mean, Odoku's good. He's really good. I mean, he looked really fluid. He looked he, he's smooth. I, I would love the Lions to get him. The problem is I don't want to get him at three if I'm the Lions because you didn't take the value of Tua being on the board. And if Tua's off the board at two, then obviously you take Chase Young and he's better than um, he's better than Odoku. So that's what I want as a Lions fan is either Chase Young's at three or I'm taking Tua. Well, well or the value of Tua and trading. I don't really necessarily want to draft Tua, but if I... If I draft at three and Chase Young's gone, the Lions better take Tua. Because the Lions, you could, if you're a Lions, you could just say, all right, we got Tua. He's most likely not going to play for any team this year anyways, or at least miss the first half of the season. Sit his ass, play Stafford, and then the following year you trade Stafford. That's what I would do. And I love Stafford. I saw some Charger Twitter. Yeah, some of you people are just fucking dumb. Like really dumb. I saw Charger Twitter. Would you trade a third rounder for Stafford? You're going to trade a third rounder for Stafford. Stafford's like a top seven quarterback, top six quarterback in the in the league. You know, all it's going to take is a third rounder. I saw I saw guys. All oh, his contract's terrible. His contract. He's not even going to be a top ten paid quarterback come next year. There's plenty of quarterbacks making more money than him. So what are you talking about? His contract. So many people are dumb. Like Charger fans think. That they're going to get from 6 to 3 and trade a second rounder so that they can get Tua. Like, what? The Jets traded three second rounders from 6 to 3 to get Sam Darnold. It's going to cost a lot, bro. It ain't going to cost that. It's either going to cost, you know, a first, a second, you know, and another first or something. Like, it ain't costing fucking just a second rounder to get there. Like, some of you people are just dumb. Like, just, oh, would, you know, would you trade Franchi Cordero for Mike Trout? I mean, uh, it's just, fuck, dude. It's going to cost some shit. Um, as far as some people, like, I think Jordan Love, I studied some film on him. I, I think he's worthy of a top 15 pick. I mean, borderline top 10. I, I think he's pretty good. You got to give him some time. Um... I think the Raiders probably sitting at 12 or hoping that Jordan Love is there. I don't think he's going to be there. I I mean, if I had to project the top 10 picks right now, I would say Burrow goes one. 
I would say Dolphins trade with Washington. Tua goes two. I would say Chase Young goes three. I'd say four. I'm going to say is Becton to the Giants. Five, Washington. I'm going to say they take uh, Jared Willis from Alabama at the tackle. I'd say six, Chargers take Herbert. I would say seven, who's seven? Carolina, I would say they take Isaiah Simmons. I would say eight, Jacksonville, Jeff Adoku. I'd say nine, who's nine? I don't know who nine is. And then I would say, oh, I think eight is Arizona. Maybe Arizona takes Adoku, nine, Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is going to take Jordan Love. And then I think 10 is going to be Cleveland. I would say that Cleveland gets uh, worse from um, Iowa. I mean, something like that. But, um, you know, one of the guys I really liked watching film on was Cameron Dantzler. From Mississippi State, the corner, and he just he just ran too slow of a forty. Uh, you can't draft that guy too high anymore. Maybe like in the fifth round or something. Because last time I saw a guy run a terrible forty playing corner was Tez Tabor for the Lions and Jalen Tabor, whatever his name is, and he just sucked. So I'm off of guys that do that. I think Kinlaw is better than Derek Brown. The, the defensive tackle from South Carolina. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be some trades. I think if you're a Charger fan, I think you're looking at Herbert or Jordan Love at six, or you trade up for Tua. If I was a Charger fan still, I would want Tua. I would want to trade up. If I mean, I saw one proposal said give up the six pick and then next year's one. I know Charger fans are going to get like – Throw their arms up in the air. No, you can't do that. Dude, you're an organization that passed on Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Do you really want to do that again? Like, for some reason, everyone loves Isaiah Simmons. I get it. He looks like a really good player. Freakish athlete. I just, I don't know. Like, he's going to be, everyone's like, well, he's going to be Derwin James. I'm like, okay. I mean, if he's going to be Derwin James, that's, that's cool. I like that. And... You know, Isaiah Simmons hasn't gotten hurt like Derwin James has, but, I mean, is that top 10 worthy? I mean, yeah, it's borderline top 10. I don't think it's top 5 worthy. And a lot of people think, like, Detroit should take him at 3. I'll be pissed they take him at 3. They trade back to 5 and get him, maybe, you know. I mean, the dream for me for Detroit is trade back to 5, probably get Jeff Odoku, or... Trade from five and get and go back to where the Raiders are at twelve and nineteen, you know. So if you traded with Miami and you got twenty six and fifty nine, and then you traded back with the Raiders to get twelve and nineteen, so then you'd have twelve, nineteen, twenty six, fifty nine, and I think Detroit has like the thirty fifth pick, second round. I mean, you'd have five of the top sixty picks. That's that's what I want for Detroit. That or Chase Young. Or you trade back with Miami and you get Jeff Adoku and, you know, the 26th and 59th pick. That would be cool, too. But I think the Raiders are going to take a quarterback. I really do. So I think you're looking at four in the top 12 for sure. But I got a feeling it's going to be four in the top 10 because I think Jacksonville 
especially after Jacksonville today, getting rid of their corner. I mean, Jacksonville's a mess. I mean, they just got to completely start over. They're already talking about maybe Nick Foles leaving the team. And st- I mean, I would keep them just for one year. I would draft a quarterback. And then, so basically you could start the following season with the kid redshirting, and then you just go from there, like Jordan Love or Herbert at whatever pick they have. I think they have the ninth pick. Um, That's pretty much all I got. I think, um, oh, one guy I really love in in the draft is Denzel Mims, a receiver from Baylor. That guy's going to be really good. I like him a lot. I wouldn't mind him in a Detroit Lions uniform in the second round. That guy's going to be a stud. The receiving... I mean the receivers are studs. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting how the draft goes on the receivers. When do you know they start going and how quick? Because you might see teams saying, "Screw it, dude. Let's just wait." Because the first team that takes them, you know, let's just say it's the Raiders at twelve, and they take Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb or something. Well, the Raiders don't have a second round pick, but any team that has a second round pick. I would just be like, I ain't taking one in the first round, and then I'll get one in the second round. At least, at least if you're in the top fifteen, I'd be like, let's just wait till the second round. Now, if you're later in the first round, you're going to say, well, we're also in the back of the second round, so it's going to be harder to get, you know, a better guy there too. So, but there's so many good receivers, there's such a good chance. I wouldn't be surprised you see a couple teams double dip on the receivers too. Like take a receiver in the second round and the fourth round or first round and the fourth round because there's so many good receivers. Um, And I think receiver, I used to always think it was an overvalued position. I think it's, I'm, I'm definitely, I definitely think receivers are very valued now. I mean, just the way the game is, if you got one of those receivers that can stretch the field, to me, it opens up everything like Tyreek Hill makes that offense go obviously Patrick Mahomes does but when Tyreek Hill's on the field dude and you got burners you know him Sammy Watkins going deep it just opens it up for Kelsey and you could get burners you know Henry Ruggs I think is a very valuable receiver Jerry Judy's fucking badass um C.D. Lamb's good all those receivers are really good I think Denzel Mims is probably the fourth receiver in my opinion I think um you know, Jefferson, I think, from LSU is good. What have you. I mean, all those receivers are good. So, that's all I got. Until the next time, go Padres. Good night now.